Chapter Number Twenty Nine of Molly's Prince. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Molly's Prince by Rosa Nuschet Carey. Chapter Twenty Nine: Barmecide's Feast and a brown study control give sympathize these three must be learnt and practised self-control charity and sympathy oriental saying althea was glad of a few minutes quiet to recover herself for she felt agitated and shaken the sight of that comfortless sick-room and everard's worn face and haggard eyes oppressed and saddened her a perfect passion of pity for him and his motherless girl swept over her as she closed the door she had left the room in answer to a wistful pleading look from him her presence there evidently troubled him and he was unwilling for her to run any risk it was kind it was friendly of him she thought everett always had a good heart but at that moment her impulsive highly wrought nature only yearned to show her sympathy in action in spite of her sensitive nerves she was constituently brave and had no fear of any form of illness we shall only die when our time comes was a favorite saying of hers and neither she nor doreen shirked anything that met them in their daily path of duty molly was very ill there was little doubt of that and she would probably be worse the sight of the sweet flushed face and the remembrance of the poor thick voice would haunt her she knew and there was waveney but at this point the sound of a hansom driving up rapidly dispersed her gloomy thoughts and the next moment lord ralston entered the room we have got her he said triumphantly nurse helena the best and cleverest nurse in the institution and she will be here in ten minutes i saw the matron and there is another one coming at eleven to-morrow i shall go round to dr duncan's house presently and have a talk with him we must have sir hindley richmond down i am determined on that why not wait for to-morrow returned althea quietly you are so impetuous moritz there is no need for you to see dr duncan to-night poor dear molly is very ill i have just seen her but good nursing and the proper remedies may do wonders wait until to-morrow it will be far better and tell me what has become of noel he is up in his room putting up his things i'm going to take him round to eaton square directly i shall stay there myself for the next week or two and you really saw her althea is she does she look very bad moritz's anxiety was so intense he could hardly bring out the words she is evidently in great pain she returned slowly it is impossible to judge at this stage but she was able to speak to me moritz 
she asked me to give you this it was put away in a drawer and she told me where to find it and althea handed him the little white parcel for me are you sure it is for me he asked breathlessly but althea with a faint smile only pointed to the direction for in molly's sprawling handwriting was very lightly inscribed mr ingram with molly ward's good wishes nothing could be more correct or proper then why did lord ralston's eyes brighten so strangely and why did a sudden smile of tender amusement come to his lips because his keen scrutiny had detected something that althea had not perceived two half-obliterated letters before the good lo he could make that out plainly with molly ward's love that was what she had meant to write until her maidenly scruples and perhaps some sudden self-consciousness induced her to change the inscription moritz walked off into the inner room with his treasure would molly guess how her lover's heart beat almost to suffocation as he looked at the white velum book with its clustering pansies little darling he kept saying over and over to himself she must have known they were my favorite flowers and then he looked at the first page and saw his name prettily illuminated pansies that's for thoughts was the motto under it and one or two pansies were drooped loosely underneath it was a dainty remembrance molly had evidently not spared either time or thought for her friend it was to be a token of her gratitude for all the pleasure monsieur blackie had given her and for all his lavish gifts but even molly could not guess in the faintest degree the intense joy that pansy pocket-book gave ingram as he replaced it in its cover his eyes were dim and his honest heart was recording its vows if molly lived her life's happiness as far as human power could effect it should be his task and joy my own darling are you beginning to love me he thought and now and then there was a stab of pain through the young man's heart for how could he tell how long it would be before he saw the angel laughing out of molly's eyes again when he went back into the other room he found noel there the nurse had arrived and had gone up to see her patient and presently everard came down to them he seemed a little surprised when althea told him that noel was going to stay with her cousin moritz wants him and they will be company for each other she said it will be easier for him to go from there to st paul's by and by and as this was reasonable mr ward offered no objection then at her suggestion he sat down and wrote a few tender urgent words to waveney althea took her leave after this she had made another fruitless attempt to dissuade moritz from going to dr duncan he was utterly unmanageable 
i mean to make a clean breast to him he said recklessly if he is a sensible man he won't want any explanation i shall tell him that mr ward has influential friends and that they wish a second opinion why good heavens althea working himself up to a pitch of nervous excitement how do we know what that poor child needs and that only money can buy and then althea with a vivid remembrance of that bare dingy looking room wisely held her peace as she drove off she wondered vaguely but without much interest how moritz was to keep up his masquerading at eaton square noel was a sharp-witted lad as he had himself said and there had been no opportunity of coaching the servants an old retainer of the family who had been the old viscount's butler took care of the house when it was not occupied and his wife and one or two maids kept a few rooms always in order moritz who was a thorough bohemian had a habit of running up to town for a night or two as the fancy seized him and he seldom announced his intention beforehand more than once mrs barham had been at her wit's end to make his lordship comfortable but she soon got used to his odd ways and now when moritz arrived at his town-house he was sure of finding his dining-room and library and a couple of bedrooms in first-rate order althea need not have wondered if she had listened to the brief conversation that took place between moritz and noel on their way to eaton square it was rather late for moritz like an obstinate man had had his way he had left noel in the cab and seen the doctor alone though dr duncan was a sensible man and no toady he was much impressed by lord ralston's impetuous generosity he could not deny he said that there were many things that his patient required though he had forborne to name them as he knew mr ward had small means sir hindley richmond oh certainly he had no objection to meet him but there was no need for that at present he would keep it in mind and mr ward must be consulted and then after a little more talk and a promise on the doctor's part to respect his confidence the interview ceased moritz felt a little happier when he jumped into the hansom again he thought dr duncan had spoken hopefully of the case and then as he looked at the list in his hand he foresaw a delightful morning's work before him to rush from shop to shop to pay the highest price possible for each article to order in fabulous quantities of the needed commodities would be purest joy to him if molly recovered she would find herself stocked for a year or two with eau de cologne and other good things what an age you have been grumbled noel the poor lad was too cold and hungry and miserable to mind his manners wasn't the old chap in oh yes he was replied ingram vaguely 
and then he pushed up the little trap-door and told the man to drive to number fourteen eaton square i hope mrs barham will be able to give us something to eat he continued you see she does not expect us and there may be nothing in the house noel's face grew rather long at this is it your house do you live there he asked curiously yes returned ingram it is my house but i am not often there i have another house in the country and then rather abruptly noel lad can you keep a secret honor bright you know and all that sort of thing then noel looked up in his face a little suspiciously and there was a knowing twinkle in his eyes mum's the word he said quickly but i know what you are going to say your name isn't ingram oh yes it is returned the other rather amused at this only i have another it is the family name my father was colonel ingram and until eighteen months ago i was plain mr ingram and now and there was growing excitement in noel's voice well the only difference is an old cousin died and so i became viscount ralston why my boy with a little chuckling laugh i was as poor as a church mouse before that poorer than your father i painted bad pictures that would not sell and lived in a tin shanty hold hard don't interrupt me for we shall be at my diggings directly i want you to understand that for the present at cleveland terrace and at the red house i am still mr ingram i have my reasons and some day you shall know them but i want you to promise that you will not betray me then noel feeling utterly bewildered and not a little mystified nodded an assent to this and the next moment they stopped before one of the big gloomy-looking houses in eaton square a tall gray-haired old man admitted them i have taken you by surprise barham observed lord ralston carelessly and you see i have brought a friend yes my lord returned barham tranquilly and i am glad to say there is a fire in the library but there is something wrong with the dining-room chimney and the workmen have been there all right just pay the cabman and then lord ralston led the way to the library it was a large room and the firelight played fitfully over the carved oak furniture and red morocco chairs the next moment the soft electric light enabled noel to see his surroundings more plainly since his visit to the red house his views had been considerably enlarged and he at once told himself that this room beat miss hartford's library hollow lord ralston left him for a few moments when he returned he said with something of his old whimsical dryness i have just been interviewing my worthy housekeeper and have left her metaphorically tearing her hair in the larder she tells me there is literally nothing in the house so i suppose we may expect barmecide's feast noel nodded 
he was well acquainted with the story of the barber's sixth brother and quite understood the allusion but the youthful pangs of hunger were so overmastering that he murmured something about bread and cheese and then coloured up the roots of his hair fearing that he had taken a liberty oh mrs barham is a woman of resources she will do better for us than that was the indifferent reply but we must exercise our patience i will take you up to your room now and noel presently found himself ensconced in a most luxurious chamber with a bright fire and everything prepared for his comfort it is like the arabian nights muttered the lad when his host had left him to think of my cheek monsieur blackie indeed and then noel sat on the edge of the chair and chuckled a vicomte great scot lord ralston my word how the pater and old storm and stress will open their eyes to think that the wobbly one will be my lady some day and here noel gave a long low whistle proving that in spite of that vulgarity inherent in the english schoolboy the embryo barrister had his wits about him it does not take much eyesight to see a blank wall especially when it is painted white and the sun shines he had observed once to waveney any fool can see that chap is dead nuts on molly which was forcible if a trifle coarse when noel found his way back with some difficulty to the library he saw a charming little dinner-table laid in readiness mrs barham evidently knew her business well the fish and cutlets the sweet omelette were all excellent and a wonderful dessert followed lord ralston was most kind and hospitable but he was hardly as good a companion as usual he seemed absent and was continually falling into a brown study when dinner was over and coffee had been brought he gave up all attempt to be sociable he even invited noel to help himself to a book and for the remainder of the evening lord ralston sat in silence with his eyes fixed on the beech logs which were burning and sputtering so merrily it was nearly dinner-time at the red house when althea reached home doreen who was already dressed was waiting for her in the library waveney was still upstairs there was a short and hurried explanation on althea's part and a few ejaculations of pity from doreen then she followed her sister upstairs and sent peachy away it was one of their pretty sisterly ways to wait on each other occasionally and althea who was accustomed to this loving ministry took it calmly and as a matter of course doreen wanted to talk to her that was all i am so sorry you had such a wretched afternoon observed doreen affectionately poor dear you were hardly fit for it how is mr ward i am afraid he will be dreadfully anxious anxious i should think so from his looks 
I should say he had had no sleep. Do you know, Dory, I have discovered something today. Dearly as Everett loves all his children, it is Waveney who is the apple of his eye. He loves her better than his pretty Molly. Oh, no, Althea. Yes, I am sure of it, and I cannot say I am greatly surprised. Molly is a dear, sweet child, but Waveney is more human and spiritual. Her nature has greater depth. Oh, there is the gong. Please help me to arrange this ruff. Dory, you must do all the talking at dinner. Waveney must have no hint of anything until we have finished. There is the shopping and your purchases. You must make the most of those. So you went out, after all, was Waveney's first remark, when Grace had been said, and her voice was rather reproachful, and you promised that you would have a day's rest. It hardly amounted to a promise, I think, returned Althea, with a forced smile. One never knows what may turn up in the day's work, and I had to go out on an errand of charity. Well, how have you enjoyed your shopping expedition? And this question launched Waveney at once into a lengthy description of all their purchases. It was too late to think of going to Cleveland Terrace, she finished regretfully. So we had tea at Fuller's instead. The cakes were delicious. Oh, how I long for Molly to be with us. She does so love buying pretty things. Oh, I forgot, interposed Doreen abruptly. Mrs. Craven was at Marshall and Snellgrove's, buying things for Augusta's trousseau. We had quite a long talk in the mantle department. I have ordered a nice waterproof cloak, Althea. It is Harris Tweed and your favorite gray. And so on, discussing the merits of each article purchased until dinner was over. And, with an unmistakable look of relief, Althea rose from the table. End of chapter 29 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.